impart something quite precious to us today, and then we'll wing it at the end. Oh, absolutely. Like we normally do. We're, we're Brilliant. Gonna we're going to pray at the end. We'll we will. So, so, so that'll be great. Well, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, um, I, I will spare you dad jokes, so don't worry. I've, 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 got, um, I've, got, I've got none prepared. Um, but I, I, I learned from, uh, or I was imparted to, from a wonderful guy named Barry Cushing. Some of you can remember him, and uh, I, I remember as a very young Christian being in a, uh, in a hall not too dissimilar to this, and uh, the heating hadn't worked, and he got up and he opened his Bible, and, uh, and, and he looked and he said, well, he said, you know the scripture, he said, many are cold, but few are frozen, and, uh, and, and off we went, and I thought, this is a ministry, this really is a ministry, so, um, so I, 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 he didn't lay hands on me, but something was imparted, I think, at that point, and I thought, yes. That's fantastic. So, so he's great. So we, we've been on a journey together. Um, please, I, I do want to caveat anything that I'm going to say um, this morning over the next three hours. Um, uh, that's, um, uh, no. <laughs> So, all right, we'll, we'll get it under, under two. You'll be all right. Um, so, uh, but, but uh, well, I really want to caveat that with, with, with do understand it's God who saves. You know, as we talk about mission, as we talk about going, um, you know, going out, we, we, we read in Acts chapter 2, don't we? You know, the church was, was busying itself with being the church, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I know Steve said last week that, you know, the danger with that is, is then as the church, we sit and wait for it to happen. Uh, and I have actually had encounters with churches where, where that works. I remember we, we were planting um, on, on the weald, and it was early days, and uh, we did some open air. Um, we, we, we did one of these, um, uh, was it kind of a fun fair type thing, on, on a field. And, uh, and it was miraculous in a lot of ways. It was the day, do you remember at the 2012 Olympics when uh, there was that Sunday where it was a complete washout, the rain was really bad? And, and even in Ashford, it, it, it was chucking it down. Uh, and we'd organised this open event, open air event, on this field in St Michael's, and uh, just outside Tenterden. And we're, we're watching the forecast, and we're thinking, well, we'll set up, we'll give it a go, you never know. And we prayed. Uh, and and, and th th this is true. From 10 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we did not experience a drop of rain over that area where we were holding that event. People who were helping us from Ashford came, drove through, they said, literally rivers of water to get to us, thinking this is not going to be on, but we'll turn up anyway. The first drop of rain didn't fall until we were putting something on the back of, of, of this truck. And, uh, and that's absolutely amazing. So God kind of spared us in that. Um, but, but I got a letter um, a few, uh, about two weeks later um, from a very strict and particular Baptist church. And please, I, I, you know, uh, Pam said to me, you can't call them that. I said, I didn't. They call it themselves that. They are strict and particular. That's it, you know, who they are. Now, now uh, please, again, they, they were one of the leading church planting movements about 150 years ago um, through Kent. There are churches everywhere. Uh, and then they, they just got stuck in a particular way of doing things. And they wrote and said that I wasn't to do any open air activity. Um, it was not to be done, especially on a Sunday. It was, it was just so un uh, unbiblical. So I, I rang them up and said, well, let's talk about this. And um, that they were a bit taken back by that. And I went and met them and we spent some time together. And, and uh, he, he op his opening statement, I think he tried to shock me. He said, he, he said, I just want you to know God does not love everybody. 
And John 3.16 is just screaming out at me. And I, just, I wanted to say, well, well, but I thought, well, okay, I'm not going to come back with an opening statement because we'll, we'll just fight and that's not good, is it? So, so anyway, so, so, so we just walked and we talked and we understood and they were into double predestination. They got to this place where they believed that God, if God was going to call anyone, then he would and that they would find their way to church. And as long as they were preaching on the Sunday morning, the gospel right there, that someone would come in and would get saved. And if they didn't turn up, then they weren't going to get saved anyway. And so that they had become so closed that they wouldn't go out of their doors to witness. And that seems so unbiblical to me. And, and, and I said to him, I, I, I said, look, I said, you know, Jesus wants us to have fun. And he said, well, you can't have a barbecue and preach the gospel. I said, Jesus did it. He said he did not. He at the table. He said he did not have barbecues. I said, he stood on the beach and cooked fish. I said, but they didn't have barbecues in those days. I said, they had holes in the ground. I said, but can I ask you a question? How do you cook at home? Do you cook with a hole in your kitchen floor? He said, no, I use a microwave. I said, it's the modern day equivalent, isn't it? He said, yes. I said, so is the barbecue for outside. I said, so we're cooking on the barbecue and we're preaching Christ. I think that's what Jesus did. He said, I'll let you have that one. I said, okay, that's great. He said, but please, are we now in agreement? You will not preach out there in the open air again. I said, we're not in agreement. I said, do you think we'd be able to maybe pray together sometime? He said, we'll never be able to do that. Don't see that happening, do you? I said, well, I will pray for you. And, uh, and as I left, it, 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 he said again, he said, you know, it, 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 he, got, he said, you know, if we preach it, they'll come. It's God who saves. I said, I get that. But how is that working for you? And his colleague looked at me and he said, it isn't. And it's sad. You see, God is the one who saves, is he not? You know, I can't save a single soul. So any stories I'm going to share with you today, please, I want you to know the glory goes to Jesus. I'm nothing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm but a vessel. I'm but a tool in his hands. And, and somebody said to me, you know, lot, many years ago, and I thank them for it, they said, you know, all God is looking for is, is kind of obedience and availability. He's not even looking for ability, just availability. It's amazing what God can do when, when you make yourself available and, and, and you're just obedient to him. And I see in the early church, and I read through the book of Acts, and I look at and I think, wow, there's all these wonderful things happening. Uh, do you know these guys were no different to you and I? They weren't. And sometimes I pray and I say, Lord, I, I'd love to do more of what they do. I mean, especially Philip. I mean, Philip was cool, wasn't he? I mean, Philip, I, I want the gift of being able to be somewhere else instantly. I, I really do. I, I, pray, I say just once in my lifetime, I'd like to either meet someone or, or, or actually have that happen to me personally. I mean, you imagine it. It's just that all of a sudden, he's here, and then the Ethiopian looks at where'd you go? I mean, picture yourself there. We read that. We just gloss over it, don't we, in the scriptures sometimes. And you think, what must it have been like? Where'd you go? And then somewhere else, it's just like, where'd you come from? <laughs> That'd be so awesome. I'd save a lot of time, I tell you. So it'd be, it'd be great, um, you know, uh, maybe we'd abuse it. But, 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 but you look at this, but the book of Acts is, is, is a telescopic view of 30 years of God doing things. You see, we read the book of Acts and we're looking down the telescope and we see activity after activity after activity. But if you turn it around, actually it's something happened here and then there was a season of just peace and they were just doing what churches do. And then something happened here and then they were just doing what churches do. And there was something happened here. And we need to understand that because we get discouraged in church life because we think things aren't happening all the time. And then, and then someone like myself comes along and they share some stories and they say, God did this and God did that. And they go, wow, that's amazing. Why isn't our life like that? Do you know what? These things have happened over 20-something years, the stories that I'll share. 
And I'm only going to share one or two of them. And it's that telescopic view, that book of Acts. And, and I, I, I want another book of Acts. I'm saying, God, give me another 30 years so I, I can have another book of Acts where I can have some other things happening. Do, do, do you see? So it's God who saves. And we need to understand that. Church, we need to be released from, from the pressure, saying, well, you know, it's our responsibility to save people. No, it's not. It's your responsibility to go and be a witness. And if you share your faith, if you go and say something to someone and, and, and nothing happens, do you know what? That, that's, that's up to God. You know, if I pray for the sick, they don't get healed, that's, that's down to him. And he's big enough to defend himself. And if I pray for someone and they get well, well, that's up to him. He gets the glory. And we need to be released. You know, the pressure is off. We're called to go and be witnesses. And what are we witnessing to? You know, the early church says, I cannot help but, you know, speak of all that I've seen and heard. That they, it was bursting out of them. And, and, and do you know what they didn't do? They didn't talk about Sunday services. Can I say again, you know, we are not called to invite people to Sunday meetings. Church is not Sunday. It's when the family comes together to get equipped and, and stirred and challenged so that we can go out and do the works of service. Church, we're day-to-day, -day, are we not? We live in community, we build community, and so what we're trying to do is invite people into relationship with Jesus. So there's the challenge. Are you in relationship with Jesus? What is your relationship and your walk with Jesus like? Because I'll tell you what, it's very hard to introduce people to someone you don't know yourself or you're not relating to. When I first came to Jesus, I, I, I was so in love with him. I, I was just so caught up with him. I was just, you know, I was just, I was bouncing up and down, just like, oh God, you're so good. And then, and, and then life hits, doesn't it? And Jesus never promised, he, you know, he, he never said, uh, you know, actually, when you get saved, life's going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be easy. You're going to love it. I, I, you know, I'm going to pick every little obstacle out of your way. I'm going to look after you. He said it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. In fact, Jesus said to Peter, didn't he? They're having this conversation. And he said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now you can imagine what was going through Peter's mind at that point. Oh, well, so Satan's asked, but this is Jesus telling me. So he, he's, going to, he's told him no, isn't he? I bet he's told him no. He says, so Peter, I'm going to pray for you, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jesus. So, 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 so hold, on, hold on. Ruler of the universe, Satan's asked to sift me, and what you're going to do is pray for me that I get through. Well, thank you. So I'm going to pray for you, Peter, that you get through in order that you might go on to encourage others also. Do you see? You see, Jesus did, he never promised an easy life. And, and these conversations on weekly and, and I say that because I'd like us to really look at the life of Peter in, in terms of what a life of a witness ought to be. And, and in John chapter 1, um, verse um, kind of 35, um, you, you know, we, we, we pick this story up. So it's a Jesus, you know, the book of John, it's a great book. We're going through it as a church at the moment. And, uh, and you know, it's a fantastic book. And, and there's a real theme, strong theme of salvation coming through. And, uh, and you know, it kind of hits the ground running, really, doesn't it? You know, and Jesus, he's, he's been baptized. You know, so we, uh, John the Baptist. And then straight away, it says the next day, you know, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is verse 35. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked. And he said, behold the Lamb of God and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus so that's interesting the disciples of John the Baptist all of a sudden John the Baptist has been had been speaking of there is one to come who is greater than I I'm pointing to someone else it's not about me it's about the one who's to come 
And there's a danger in that, you, you know, in our preaching, in our sharing, in praying for the sick. You, you know, who do we want to be glorified in this? Is it, is it Jesus? You know, am I, am, I, am I fearful of praying for the sick because I'm worried about what people might think about me? Therefore, when someone gets healed, will people think well of me? Whereas John the Baptist, he said, actually, I'm not even fit to, to, to untie this guy's sandals. <laughs> so don't, don't look at me. I'll just do his work until he comes. But when he's here, you follow him. So these two disciples, they follow John the Baptist. And Jesus turned and beheld them and he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come, come and you will see. So he invited them to come. To come. Jesus said, well, come. Come and look at my life. Come and see where I'm living. So they came, therefore, and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day, he purposed to go into Galilee. There's an interesting thing that happened. You see, we think when we read the scriptures, you know, that Jesus kind of floated around Galilee and he floated around the land and he sort of like said, hey, Bob, follow me. And Bob just went, okay. And he just followed him off into the sunset. And that's how we read it, because we've got a condensed version. But we see here that actually, you know, Peter, it, the, the way he came to Christ initially, or he met Christ, was through his own brother. You see, Andrew had been introduced to Jesus. He sits there and he goes, wow, we've met Jesus. What am I going to do? I'm going to tell my brother. And he goes and tells his brother. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever encountered something like, you know, you encounter Jesus or God does something in your life? What do you want to do? You want to go and tell your family? You want to go and tell your friends? I told my dad I got saved when I got saved. He said, Carl, he said, if you bring that into our house, he said, you speak about that anywhere near me, he said, you'll be out on your ear. It doesn't always work like it seems to in the scriptures, does it? He's <laughs> like, I'll go tell him. He'll go, oh, I want to follow Jesus too. No, for three years, I was not allowed to mention the name of Jesus in that. I just had to my, let my life be a witness. I thank God I, 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 over 20 plus years of, of knowing Christ now that I, I had the opportunity to witness to him and, and, and to actually pray with him in his final days. But it doesn't always work how we think it works in the scriptures. But you see, Peter comes and he, and he encounters Jesus and Jesus says to him, well, you're now going to be called Peter. Now, us in our wonderful biblical knowledge, we kind of go, well, we know what that means. That means rock, and it means that he's going to build the church. Because we, we've read the Bible. Peter hadn't read, it, it was being written right there. It was going to be three years before revelation came as to why he was going to be called Peter. You can imagine the encounter. He meets Jesus. Well, here's a word of knowledge. You're going to be called Peter. And what did Peter go? He goes, well, well, well that was strange. And the next day, Jesus purposes to go to Galilee. And we read elsewhere in the scriptures, if you read, we haven't got time to go into them all now, but Matthew 4.18 and then Mark 1.16. What we actually find is when Jesus goes along the, the shores of Galilee, who does he find fishing? Peter. So Peter hasn't just dropped everything and just floated off into the sunset. He's gone back to what he's known. Have you ever had that? Where you share your faith with somebody and, and, and actually... 
Kind of nothing happens, they just seem to go back. Our, our, our neighbours, when we were living in Canterbury, um, you know, we were getting to know them, it was all going great, it was all going well, until he said, where do you go every Sunday morning? And I said, oh, we go to church. He said, what church is that? I said, oh, you know, we're kind of you know, evangelical, charismatic church, you know, if you kind of, you know, we, we, he said, well, is it one of those kind of happy, clappy kind of type places? I said, well, yeah, it's better than the sad, morose ones, but, you know, um, so I'd rather be happy and clappy, of course I would. And he said, great. And he went in and he told his wife, he said, we don't talk to them, they're those born-again weirdos. And for six months, they didn't talk to us. We were making progress with this guy, and he went right back. Can I say, when it comes to leading people to Christ, when people have this 10-step plan of people being on this, it's not linear. Please, there is progress, but I found that it kind of goes in circles. Sometimes people go from one to two to three and back to one again. And then we get discouraged and we give up. And we're not meant to. We're called to just be witnesses. You see, you see, Andrew would have shared his faith with, with Peter. Peter goes and gets this word from Christ. It doesn't make any sense to him. It will do it someday, but it doesn't make any sense to him. So he goes back fishing. And Jesus then is walking along the shore and he says, Hey, Peter, you're fishing. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I mean, Peter must have been for crying out loud. He wants to change my name and he wants to change my job. I mean, who is this guy? I mean, think about it. You know, this is, this is the same Peter who we fast forward, you know, he's chopping an ear off, you know, and this is the guy, and you can imagine the scene there, Jesus picking the ear up and going, we don't do that, Peter. Come on, you know, it's just like, you know, and, it's just like, and the guard goes back. I mean, you know, we've got to set ourselves at the time. Imagine the guard going home to his family that night and there's blood down his neck. Well, honey, what happened? Funny story. My ear got cut off and Jesus put it back. I mean, think about it. And these are the stories I'm praying for. These are the stories I'm saying, Lord, why not in our time? Why not now? But learning that actually it, these things take time. We're called to be witnesses. So Peter, what does he do? He, he's called to be fisher, a fisher of men. He goes back to fishing. Because we read in Luke 5, verse 1, what does Jesus do? He encounters them again, and he says to them, I want you to go back out and cast your nets out again on the other side. They've gone back to what they've known yet again. They're fishing yet again. And it's at that point, when they have the miraculous catch of fish, what does Peter do? He falls down on his knees, and he says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's the point. That's the point he comes and really recognises who Jesus is. We have to be really careful when we read the scriptures, because we read this and we think, well, they're not like us. They just floated off into the sunset. No, even Jesus, he, he spoke to Peter three times before Peter got it. Jesus. That encourages me. I remember one guy, Barry, he came knocking on the door of the church offices, and he said to me, he said, Carl, he said, I need help. He wasn't a Christian. His mum was. She'd been praying for him for years. And he, just, he said, I just saw on your door, he said, healing. We did an advert for healing. And he said, I don't think the healing that's advertised is what I need. He said, I just need help. I need healing in my life. I said, what's going on? He said, he, he, he said, he said my marriage has fallen apart. He said, my wife has left. She's taken my daughter. And we talked. And it was desperately sad. 
And, and uh, I'm not a marriage counsellor. I'm not, a, you know, I sat and, and, and I offered some cases. But I said, you know, what, what I do know is this. I know someone who can help you go through this better than I can. And I'd like to tell you about him. So I told him about Jesus. And I said, but here's the thing. If you encounter this Jesus, if you meet this Jesus, this Jesus, he will help you. He will give you peace. He will walk with you through the storm. But there is no guarantee that your marriage will get restored. Because that's not what's on offer here. What's on offer is the salvation of your soul and who you get to walk with between now and the rest of eternity. That's the offer. That's the promise. It's not, yeah, and we water the gospel down so often because we think, well, actually, come to Jesus. He'll meet your needs. No, come to Jesus and he, he, he will heal your soul. He will save you. You know, Andrea's prayer, you know, what we've been saved from and what we've been saved into, that's the big picture stuff. That's the message of the gospel. That's what we're witnessing to. That's what we're testifying to. Not the little things. The little things are the grace of God. But it's the big picture stuff, is it not? And so I said to Barry, you, you know, your marriage may not get restored. And, and, and he said, that's okay. He said, I'd like to meet this Jesus. And so right there and then, I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus. And I prayed for him to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And he went on his way. And me of little faith... Barry came back about a week later, there's a knock on the door and somebody said, oh, Barry's here. And I'm just like, oh no, what's happened now? And then I walked into the room and Barry was smiling and I'm thinking, my first thought was, oh, his marriage is back together. And I said, Barry, how are you doing? And he said, Carl, I'm doing great and not so great. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, he said, Mary, he said, it's getting harder. He said, actually, she's trying to deny me access to my daughter. He said, and I don't know what to do with that. I said, but you're smiling. He said, but you introduced me to Jesus. He said, and the Holy Spirit's been helping me all the way through. And I just, he, said, he said, well, that was the deal, wasn't it? I'm just like, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> just, do, do you know sometimes what, what we do that? Because God, actually, because he was the one that was doing it. We were in, in a situation once when um, we were um, just teaching on healing and uh, I remember the words coming out of my mouth saying, um, you know, and God heals. And just to prove that, you know, if anyone here um, wants to be healed, you, you know, you, you can be healed right now. And then I realised what I'd said and I thought, right, I've got to move on quickly and hopefully nobody heard it. And I moved on and, and I'm looking at Pam and she's looking at me and she's, I've got like a rabbit in headlights now. What, what, you know, did, anyone, did I really say that? And anyway, I carried on and, 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 and just, just quietly somebody just came to the front, this, this lady, older lady, and, and, and she just stood there. And, um, and, and I was trying to ignore her, but I couldn't. It just became more obvious she was there. And, and I said, I'm really sorry, can I help you? And she said, you said if anyone wants healing. And, and, and I'm thinking, okay, please be something internal, something that you know, no one can see. Quick prayer, sit down, off you go. You know, I mean, that's my faith. You know, and it's just like at that point in time. And, and I'm saying, please. And, 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 I say, and, and, uh, and she says, no, 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 she, uh, my shoulder's really bad. And I can't lift my arm above that. I'm thinking, oh, it's a visible one. It's one that can be tested right now. And not only that, the whole church knows. They're all going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and I'm just like, okay. I said, right, I really wanted to get back to my sermon. So I'm just like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Amen. And I, I went back to my sermon. And she stood there. And she's going like this. And her arm goes up. And she's just like, and the church is applauding. And it's great. And I didn't get to preach another word. It was just like, you know, because people started coming forward and we pray. He said, the point is this. God can do it in spite of us. God can do it in spite of us. And, I, and it's encouraging you to have a go. The first person I ever led to Christ was over a bag of chips. 
I used to go fishing down at Dover. We moved to Dover to get involved with the plant down there for a year. And, and I was going fishing one Saturday evening and I bought a bag of chips on the way to the pier and God said, buy another one. I want to ask you this question, what is your walk with Holy Spirit like? Because I tell you what, if we want to be effective in witness, we, we, we need to have a good walk with Holy Spirit because we need to be hearing his voice and we need to be sensitive to him, we need to be trusting him. Because he leads us. So I want to ask you, what is your walk with Holy Spirit like? And, and at that point, you, you, know, you know, I used to just walk and I talk with God and, 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 and you know, I'm nothing special. It's just, it's just, I just, it was important to me to cultivate that relationship with God. And I'm walking and, and God said, buy a second bag of chips. And I'm just like, God, I, I'm, I'm not that hungry. It's just like, you know, was he preparing me? And I don't like cold chips. So they're not really one to save, are they? And he's like, buy another bag. I said, okay, I'll buy another bag. So I bought two bags of chips. And I walked down onto the pier and I started fishing. And I just said to this guy, would you like a bag of chips? So I got a spare bag and, and, and whatever. And he said, oh, hi. And I said, my name's Carl, what's your name? And he said, I'm Rab and I've just moved to Dover. And him and his partner, Tracy, had just moved to Dover and, and he had no friends and we were just making friends. He had no fishing buddy, I had no fishing buddy and we started fishing together. And we started fishing together and I got to share my faith with him just over a bit of time and, and we got to meet him and Tracy and we had the privilege of seeing them both come to know Jesus. Over a bag of chips. If I hadn't taken the bag of chips, would I have ventured and offered to this guy and said to him, do you see what I'm saying? You never know. You never know what God is going to ask you to do. So Peter, you know, he's gone on this journey of, of, of kind of invitation and it's that final time that he kind of gets, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it's really you know, important for us to understand that, you know, conversion takes time, you know, and, and we need to understand that, that you know, need, conversion needs to be complete. We need to allow people that time to go on that journey. Sometimes we have a real pressure to get people over the line. Because sadly, church, we've got into a numbers game. We've had a great 35 years of seeing the church restored. We really have. But the Sunday thing is not the thing. Jesus is. And the extension of his reign and rule is the thing. This is an expression of it. And it's an important expression of it. Church is important. Meetings are important. But I'll tell you what. We're called to go out and be witnesses. And we don't... I've seen people get birthed too early. Where, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, here's so-and-so, and, and, and they, they responded to something, and, 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 you know, they're a Christian. And that's why I don't like giving appeals when I preach. And if I give an appeal, I'm very clear that I'm not calling anyone a Christian just because they've said a few words. Because it's if anyone professes with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it takes time. And, and sometimes when you're preaching the gospel, you will see that actually, you know, it, it's that people will struggle with it. Why? Because it's their entire life and worldview. You are just shaking and, and, and rocking. Marco and Anna, you remember Marco and Anna, don't you? Um, you know, I'm Jenny's parents. And, um, and over, over um, in Ashford, and I remember this couple, and they were just on a little course with us, and, and, and Mark was this hardened Italian, um, uh, you know, um, a street trader. I mean, he would swear, he'd, you know, he'd, he's the, he's, he'd get angry. He was, just, he was just this guy, you know, he was so anti the gospel. And his wife was convinced that she was a Christian because she'd been baptised into Catholicism. 
And as we're preaching the gospel to these two over weeks, you've got these two things going on. He doesn't feel he's actually good enough to come to Christ because of everything that he's done. And she feels she's already too good. These two things, do you see? In one couple. And I'm talking to him, and one day he just says to me, he says, he, he says Carl, he says, he says I'm not, I need to get myself sorted before I can come to Jesus because I need to be presentable to him. I said, you come to Jesus, he'll sort you out. And he'll make you presentable for Father. And he said, but I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and I'm so sorry, and I wish I hadn't done it. He said, I, I wish Jesus would forgive me. And I said, if Jesus were in the room, what would you say? And he said, I'd say all of that. I said, well, he's right here now. And in front of everybody, he said, would you kneel with me? And, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was a moment. <laughs> there, was only, uh, there was only one pair of dry eyes in, in the room. It was his wife, because she was struggling with what was going on. And he knelt in the room, and he said it all again, and he just repented, and he gave his life to Christ through tears. My son, who's not here, he said that was the most power, single most powerful thing he'd ever seen. And he's been at New Day watching hundreds of people run forwards. He's seen all sorts of things. He said it was so powerful. He said, because this was a guy, he said, he said, I did not think he would crack. And his wife was just like, Pff. And now, we kind of said, she's, well, I don't want to get baptised, I want to do this, you know. And, and we just said, we've got to give her time. And the following week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and in the back of the room, she went, ooh. And I said, are you okay? She said, just leave me, just leave me. And I said, okay. So we just left her. And we carried on talking. About 10 minutes later, she goes, oh, thank you. And I went, what's going on? And she said, I've been feeling all week like I've been on the edge of a cliff, like I'm going to have to jump. Should I've been stood here and it's just been like, and I've been going, Jesus, but I can't do this. I can't, I'm so scared because this is my whole life. You're just about to change my whole life. But, but I kind of want to do it. And she said, and Jesus is in the room right now. He's just been talking to me. And he said, Anna, you can jump. I will catch you. And she said, I've just jumped. That's what the ooh was about. <laughs> Say, one couple, been together for decades. <laughs> Talk about everything poles apart in terms of where they're coming from <laughs> and come together to know Jesus Christ. See, we want to talk about the how-tos and, 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 and how we do that. And, and, and I think it, in a lot of ways it's really quite simple. I want to ask you a, a quick few questions in this, just to challenge you. But, but, but I want you to understand the pressure is off church. If you've taken a card up someone's driveway before because you wanted to invite them to that guest service, you know, Andy Kine's coming and, and well, I'd really like my neighbours to come, but let's just wait till it gets dark and a bit cloudy so the moon's not there, they won't know it's me. I'll run with the card up there, you know, push it through the letterbox and then scatter and it's just like, thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I really pray, I pray over that card. Help them see it, see it straight away. Not let the dog chew it up, please, Lord. And let them come to this meeting and, blah, blah, you know, sort of thing. And, you know, and, and Lord, and, and, and if tomorrow he's washing his car and, 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 and the sun comes out at a particular moment as I'm walking out, then I'll ask him whether he got the invite and, does, and we go through all of this sort of stuff and, and, then, and that all happens and we ask him and he says, yes, he's going to come and it's fantastic and then we get there and our friend is going to come to the invite, you know, the, th the thing that we invited him to and we sat and we're looking around and he, and he doesn't turn up. And then we, we go, well, that wasn't worth it. And the next time we put something on, we're a little bit less inclined to invite. So then we invite someone in to come and train us in evangelism. And they rock up and they 
do a wonderful course and they give great examples and they say, look, I'm going to do some training and how to speak to people at the park. And, you know, you can just imagine it now. Here's a park bench and, and, and I've got a park bench here. And, and, you know, now let's just imagine a scenario. You're out for a walk and in the park and sat at that is a guy. So my advice to you is maybe go and sit next to the guy and see if you can strike up a conversation and we'll sit here and let's just say, for imagination's sake, the guy's name's Mark and, you know, hello Mark, how are you? And do you mind if I sit here? And Mark says yes. And so I sit here and, I, I, and it just happens to be a lovely evening and the sun is setting and I, I say to Mark, Mark, have you ever wondered who kind of created all of this? And, it's, and Mark says, actually, I was just sat here pondering that very thing as you came along. What, 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 what an amazing moment. Well, have you ever thought that maybe there's someone behind it all? What will I've thought? but I've just never really understood. Well, can I, would you mind if I told you what I think? Like, look, look, my friend, why don't you tell me? And, and so I share my faith with Mark and I'll give you some how-tos of the gospel and, uh, and wonderful. Uh, and Mark now comes along to church and isn't that great? Brilliant, we've had the training. And the following day, we go out for a little walk and uh, we go down the park and I'm down the park and I happen to see a guy sat at a park bench and I think, oh, fantastic. And I go over and I say, excuse me, would you mind if I sit next to you? And he's kind of like, well, if you like. So, okay. I said, oh, you know, my name's Carl, what's your name? And his name's Mark. I said, wow, this is wonderful. And, I'm having, and not only that, the sun is setting. And I said, have you ever wondered who kind of did all of this or, you know, made all this kind of happen? No, never thought about it at all. Not at all, mate. All right, well, I've got no frame of reference for this now. What do I do? Well, can I tell you about Jesus? Um, no, you can't really. I'm sitting here quietly. Do you mind going away? And you go home and you're really discouraged and the training didn't work. Have you ever had experiences like that? You know, the knocking on the door, the inviting friends, they don't come, or the training and it hasn't quite worked. And do you know what? And we think we've done our bit and we get discouraged and it's gone. And then I read my Bible. And I read that the early church, they could not contain everything that they saw and everything that they heard. They just wanted to speak about it wherever they went. You see, we're not called to run courses. We're not called to put things... I'm not saying they're wrong. They have their place. But they are not the tick box for evangelism. They're the fruit of everything else that we're doing. It's a lifestyle that we live. A lifestyle of witness. You and I are called to be witnesses. You're not even called to save anybody. God does that. You're not actually called to people and invite them to meetings. You're called to let your life be a witness but we are meant to be witnesses. To not stop speaking of all that we've seen and heard. So I just want to ask you these questions. Are you praying for the lost? Do, 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 do you actually, are you actually praying for this? In the book of Daniel, we, we, we read, we, we've been um, uh, helpfully going through that in, in our life group. And uh, Daniel chapter 10, you know, when the angel delays, you, you know, the story, Daniel starts praying. It takes three weeks for the angel to get there. And he talks about all sorts of spiritual warfare and wonderful things. And, and you know, books have been written on what was going on in those heavenlies and how we ought to engage in prayer now and everything. The point is, this, Daniel didn't worry about that. Daniel didn't say, oh, Gabriel, you've had this awesome fight and battle. Let me help you. He didn't. He carried on doing what he was doing. And what was he doing? He was praying for the people around him that they would have repentant hearts and that they would come to know God and God would have mercy on them. It's interesting that, isn't it? Daniel, even on receiving the news of what was happening out there, went, well, okay, you worry about that bit, Gabriel. I'm going to keep praying here. See, our responsibility here is that we're praying about what's going on around us. Are you moved with compassion for the people around you? 
Do you read accounts of things that happened where people were witnessing and living witnessing style, you know, witnessing lives in the past? I love reading accounts like people like Whit Whitfield and Finney. Uh, you know, Finney was an interesting character, you know, great evangelist, um, you know, and, and he, he was in a room of guys one time and, and, you know, they were saying to him, what motivates you, what stirs you to go out and just share the gospel? And he took them to the room, uh, you know, out the window and he looked out at the, the, the town, the city below, and he said to them, what do you see? And they'd say, well, I see a couple of guys in suits, or I see somebody over there, I see this person. And Finney went, do you know what I see? He said, I see a helpless generation. I see people who are lost, it's sheep without a shepherd. He said, and I have pearls of great price, he said, and I can give them to them. He said, I see people who need to hear the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ, he said, and it breaks my heart. He was totally the opposite to the people in the room who just went, I see people. Church, when you go out and about from here, do you just see people? Are people just an inconvenience? They're people in the world. I did it even this morning. I need to affect. There was a whole group of runners, and we were slightly late, and they had a run. And my, my first thought is, well, they didn't advertise this. They didn't tell me that they were going to be here. I could have got away 10 minutes. This isn't fair. What are they doing on my roads? Do you know what I mean? But they're all souls. <laughs> the person who's grumpy at the checkout. You know, we've learned to keep going to the same checkout and we, we just try and engage them in conversation. And sometimes it's really hard work. You know, they take your goods and they <laughs> can I have a bag, please? Ah, oh, really? Okay. She's like... But who knows what's been going on in their day? Who knows what argument they might have had before they had to come to work? Who knows what sick child is, is, is behind that frown? Who knows what lack of inner peace is going on? Four years I've been reaching out to a friend and, and only recently he said to me, he said, Carl, I am not happy. I have, I have money, I have business, I have a marriage. He said, but, but I'm not happy. How do I find real happiness? That took four years just to get to that conversation because I kept witnessing to him. Church, it takes time. And it's okay. It really is okay. The pressure's off because God is the one who saves. As long as we are being faithful in witnessing. So we want to be praying for the lost. We want to re reaching out to the lost. We want to recognise that God is the one who saves. I ask that question, what is your walk with Holy Spirit like? What is it like? Are you trusting him? Are you seeing encounters? Are you, you, know, are you celebrating what God is doing amongst you? Are you celebrating the little things? You see, if we're called to a lifestyle of witness, we ought not to only tell the story of when someone gets saved. We ought to tell the story of each time we stepped out and witnessed. Amen? Yesterday, I was sat on the bus and I was really scared. But I managed just to share a little bit of my faith with the guy next to me. Fantastic. Well done. Let's celebrate. Because that's what you're called to do. We need to have more stories like that. And I want to encourage you, church, if you start telling more stories like this, then you'll start to step out more and you'll start to witness more. And if you start witnessing more, do you know what? You'll begin to see more things happen. And the final thing I just want to bring this into land on is, is where I started is, is, are you still in love with Jesus? In Revelation, when, when, when Jesus talks to the church and, and, and he says, um, you know, well, we've heard of your great deeds. We've heard of all that. Do you know what? They're renowned and you've done so much, but I have this against you. You have lost your first love. 
I do not want to be known for doing great deeds and yet not still be in love with Jesus. And that can happen to any of us. We can be Christians for 30 years, 40 years, and we can lose that love. But if we want to be effective in our witness, then, then we need to be in love with him. We need to keep strengthening that relationship with him. Church, it's, it's an adventure. We were saying only yesterday, Pam, and I, that, 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 that this last time that we've planted has been the hardest time. It has taken its toll on us as a family. It has taken its toll on us in so many ways. We've had months where we've just had hit after hit after hit. I remember one time kneeling in my room, sobbing, because, and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. It's affecting my family. It's affecting my life. I'm, I'm in big time. I cannot do this. And I spent, I I'm just crying. I'm just going, God, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. We, we, we just want to go. But I had to come to the same place that the psalmist did. He said, but God, it's not my will. It's yours. You are on the throne. And in spite of all of this, I will, I will worship you. Because you didn't call me to a peaceful life. But you did call me to a victorious life. Amen?